You're listening to a sermon preached at Cross and Crown in Melbourne. We believe that God speaks through the Bible and He calls us to preach the Word and proclaim His Gospel. We pray that as you listen, you will be strengthened to know, love and live for Jesus. Loving Father, we praise you for bringing us into your inner life. May we love one another with the love with which you have loved us, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, friends, over the last three weeks, we've seen why the Trinity matters. What have we learned? We've seen that the Trinity is the sun at the center of our universe. It is the means by which you and I can personally know the immortal God. And it's the basis of our salvation as God draws us into the love within God himself. I don't know about you, but I really hope that over the last three weeks, your mind has been blown and your heart has been warmed to know God better and to love God more deeply. But here's the truth. If we stop there, we might just think that the Trinity, it's important, but it's impractical. It might give us life, but it might not actually change our life. The Trinity is good, but does it really change how I live on a day-to-day level? You see, the Trinity, it might blow our minds, it might even warm our hearts, but does it move our hands? Does it practically change how we live at all? What does it look like for you and me to live in light of the Trinity? Well, over the next three weeks, we're getting practical. And today, I want to show you five ways, five ways that the Trinity radically reshapes our relationships with one another. Five ways the Trinity deepens our love for one another. And here's my challenge, that each and every one of us, without exception, commits to at least two of these points as our church begins to physically regather. Here's what we'll do. All of us, every single one of us, will commit to the first point together. And then each of us will commit to one other point ourselves. And at the end of this sermon, I'm going to give you an opportunity to practically make that commitment to one another. So here they are. Let's get started. Five ways. Five ways the Trinity radically reshapes our relationships with one another. Number one, and for all of us. Love. Love. Well, I wonder how you answered that question just before. What word uh, did you use to fill in the blank? I attend a cross and crown. I worship at cross and crown. I enjoy cross and crown. I wonder how many of you wrote, I love cross and crown. You see, friends, the deepest impact the Trinity has on our relationships is to deepen our love for one another. Now, I know that for many of us, it's really nothing new to say that we should love one another. But but I want you to see how the Trinity deepens that love. I, I want you to see how the Trinity actually fundamentally changes the quality of our love. In John 17, Jesus prays to the Father, I made your name known to them. And will continue to make it known, so that the love you have loved me with may be in them. 
and I may be in them. Friends, can you hear what Jesus is saying? The love within God should be the love among us. The love within God should be the love among us. I mean, the love that the Father has for the Son, that the Son has for the Father, that the Spirit binds between the Father and the Son, that eternal, selfless love should be our love within the church. I mean, that's the reason for which Jesus died. Not only that we might be saved, but so that we might love. And so that we might be loved. Not just with any generic love, but with the love within God himself. Can you see what a difference that makes? It actually fundamentally and radically changes the quality of our love for one another. We're not just being nice to one another. We're not just treating each other politely. No, we're actually loving one another with the deepest and most pure quality of love in existence. Do you love each other like that? You know, when Jesus prays for the Father's love to be in us, he's praying that that love will be among us. It's not just that the Spirit seals you into God's love, or the Spirit seals me into God's love. No, the Spirit seals us into God's love together. You see, the Father's love for the Son is now your love for me, and it's my love for you. God wants us to love each other with that eternal, selfless love that exists within God himself. You see, friends, the deepest love you will ever enjoy, other than in God himself, is with all who are also in him. One day in the new creation, marriage will be no more. Parenting will be no more. In fact, all earthly relationships will be no more. And let me tell you what will remain. Let me tell you what will last into eternity. The relationships that we have right now between you and me and all of us who are united with God the Father through Christ the Son, bound together by the Spirit. If you're a Christian, I want you to know the love that we share is the only human love this side of eternity that will last into the new creation. I used to think that the deepest relationships in life are within our natural families. So with my parents and my brother, and I love them so deeply. When I was growing up, I'd go to church and, you know, I'd call people my brother and my sister in Christ. But if I'm honest, I never saw those relationships as quite the real deal. If anything, church family was like an imitation of my real family. But friends, the truth is that our relationships in Christ, our relationships in the Spirit, are far more eternal than flesh and blood. They say... That blood is thicker than water. But the truth is, the spirit is thicker than blood. Because the love that binds the Father and the Son forever is now the love that binds you and me forever. For those of you who did write, I love Cross and Cran, let me ask you, do you love each other with that love?
I, I'm not talking about do you love our church as an institution or our name. I really could care less on one level. I'm talking about the people who make up this body of believers. I'm talking about the people with whom the Holy Spirit has sealed you and me together with. I'm talking about the people right here in our church family. I'm talking about the people with whom you might be physically gathered even right now. Do you love them with that quality of love? Do we love one another with an eternal selfless love? Is the love within God the love among us? Friends, every single one of us today, without exception, must love each other with the love within God. And if you're not a Christian and you want to find out about who Jesus is, what it means to follow him, can I encourage you, the best way to do that is to do it in relationship with the rest of us. To plug in and connect with the church because as you do, you won't just hear about God's love. You'll actually see it. You'll actually experience it. You'll actually swim in it. You see, that's point number one. And that's what all of us, without exception, must commit ourselves towards. Love. Point number two. Dwell. Dwell. You know, I, truth is, I couldn't come up with much of a better verb. But this is actually the best word I can think of. And let me tell you why. I wonder... Over the last three weeks, have you noticed the intensity of the love between the Father and the Son? It's not love at a distance. It's not love at arm's length. No, it's love up close and personal. Like so many of you here, I have relatives who live overseas. And whether I like it or not, I am bound to them by flesh and blood. But let's face it, they're so far away. And there's no real relationship with them. The, the love I have for them is genuine, but it's at a distance. But look at how closely the Father loves the Son. And look at how closely the Father and the Son love us. In John 14, Jesus says about us, you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me. And I am in you. Friends, you see how close and intimate that love really is. Jesus isn't just near us, around us, or beside us. No, he's in us. Just as the Father is in him and he is in the Father. That the Spirit, he connects the Father and the Son so deeply that they indwell each other. And he connects us so deeply that God indwells us. You can't get much more up close and personal as that. In verse 23, this is what Jesus says. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him. And he will come and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that beautiful? God doesn't just dwell with us. No, he dwells in us. He lives in us. In John 15, uh, Jesus continues that idea of dwelling and remaining with one another in love. Look with me, verse 4. Remain in me and I in you. 
Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. And then in verse 12, love one another as I have loved you. Can you see what Jesus is saying? The Father dwells with the Son in love. The Son dwells with us in love. So now you and I must dwell with one another in love. That's not love at a distance, is it? That's love up close and personal. Friends, we can't love one another deeply unless we dwell with one another closely. Now, I'm not saying that we should all live together, but true love does mean doing life together. It's so easy right now, isn't it, to log on to Zoom, turn off our cameras, remain anonymous and ghost our way through church, to withdraw from each other, to shut each other out. That's why it's so important for us to physically regather as soon as we safely can. Can I say, it's so good to see so many of you doing just that. Yes, it takes effort. But man, it's worth it. God has saved us into a fellowship of love, and we just can't enjoy that love without being physically together. Just imagine, just imagine, if our church had no fringe, if our church had no boundary riders, if our church had no one running for the door at the Amen. Wouldn't it be amazing? Friends, we need to be present with one another. We need to dwell with one another. We need to be in each other's lives. We need to know each other closely if we're going to love each other deeply. If you've been hovering around the fringes of our church family, Maybe today is the day that God is calling you to open your heart and open your life to us in love. Can I just say, I think and I thank God that on a whole, our church does this pretty well. I know how many of you do life together. I know how many of you will share struggles together and genuinely love the Lord together. Maybe the application point today is nothing more than I praise God for you. Keep going. Keep doing that. Keep being faithful. Keep dwelling with one another in love. If you're uh, new to church and we haven't even met in person, I want you to know just how welcome you are. We want to open our hearts to you. We want to open our lives to you. You see, because the Father and the Son dwell with us in love, we want to dwell with one another in love as well. Love Dwell. Point number three. Unite. Unite. I want you to think back to week one of our series in the Trinity. Do you remember our starting point? It was the Shema. In Deuteronomy 6, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The one God deserves our one love. And then the Apostle repeats the Shema in the New Testament, but what he then does is he includes within the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Three persons, perfectly united as one God. So in Ephesians 4, this is what he writes. There is one body and one Spirit. 
just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. One Spirit, one Lord, one God. And because the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are all united, you and I must be united as well. You and I must make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Because God is united, we must be united. Because God is one, we must be one. The Spirit has united us with the Father and the Son, and now you and I, we're called to keep that unity, to maintain it, to express it. In all our diversity, we all are one in Christ alone. Unite. We're living in a moment of history that's dividing our world according to our culture and our race. It's a moment when racial injustice is the single greatest issue that confronts the Western world. But you know, the situation in first century Ephesus wasn't that different. That the world was divided, not into black and white or Asian and Australian. No, it was divided into Jew and Gentile. And there was a dividing wall of hostility standing between them. But when we read Ephesians... We see that God has torn down that wall. He has reconciled Jew and Gentile into one body. Jew or Gentile, whatever group we may be part of, we all have equal access to God the Father. Through the death of God the Son, we've been united together by God the Spirit as the one family of God. So now... It doesn't matter whether we're Jew or Gentile. We all are one in Christ alone. Friends, we need to realize this, that Christians are not defined by one race, one ethnicity, or one culture. We are defined by one spirit, one Lord, and one God. Our point of unity is not our shared culture. It is our shared Christ. Let me speak very plainly and state the obvious. Many people in our church are young, Asian, and corporate. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. But friends, we need to remember that that is not what defines us, and it is not what unites us. This is not just a social or cultural club where Jesus is invited to the party. No, we are defined and united by one spirit, one Lord, and one God. We are united by and united in the triune God. Whenever you say the word us, who are you talking about? Whenever we say the word us, We cannot mean anyone other than a fellow believer. Whatever our age, whatever our culture, and whatever our work. Friends, for those of you who are young, Asian, and corporate, I get it. I really, really get it. 
Growing up as a minority, it's natural to hold on to your cultural heritage. For most of my life, my culture defined me more than anything else. It united me with others more than anything else. In fact, my ongoing temptation is to define myself and unify my relationships around my culture. I know that. And I need to repent of that. I need to remember that God has saved me into a fellowship where every tribe is reconciled in Christ. That what defines us is not my own culture, but our one King. Maybe God is calling you today to unite around nothing but the Son. As a church, we need to keep our unity fixed and focused on Christ and Christ alone. Brothers and sisters, if you're not young, Asian or corporate, I want you to know that this is your church. This is your family. This is your home. God has brought you into this fellowship of love. And in this church family, all of us are defined and united by one spirit, one Lord and one God. We are not brothers and sisters in culture. We are brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. Love. Dwell. Unite. Fourthly. Serve. Serve. Let me ask friends, how much physical exercise have you been getting in lockdown? If you haven't been exercising very much, uh, it's going to be really hard to get fit, isn't it? Well, let me ask, how much spiritual exercise have you been getting in lockdown? How much have you been stretching that spiritual muscle of service and sacrifice? You see, friends, the cold hard truth is this. In lockdown, I suspect that many of us simply haven't had the chance to serve one another. And if that's true, then far too many of us are spiritually out of shape. You see, when we serve one another, we're actually strengthening the bonds of love that unite us together. But if we haven't been doing that at all for eight months, then our bonds of love are probably weaker than they've ever been before. I hope that's not the case. It may just be that our single greatest challenge of physically regathering is that we're out of practice of serving one another. You see, friends, the Spirit binds us in a fellowship of love. And when we use our gifts in service and sacrifice, what we're doing is we're strengthening those relationships. We're strengthening that love. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, this is what the Apostle Paul writes. There are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. There it is again. The same Spirit, the same Lord, and the same God. And in the sameness and the oneness of our God, He gives us different gifts, different ministries, different activities, all in verse 7 for the common good, all in chapter 14, verses 5 and 12, for building up the church. You see, God has brought us, he's saved us into this fellowship of love. 
so that we might then strengthen that love by serving one another. Friends, when we physically regather, you and I, we're all going to have to relearn how to serve one another. Maybe you could help out by serving on the AV team, hosting a BLT in your home, even joining our hospitality, a new COVID safe team to make sure that church is a physically safe place for us to gather. But even long before then, serving starts now, doesn't it? It starts with picking up the phone to check in on someone you haven't seen on Sunday in a while. It starts just like so many of you doing right now and good on you by organizing an outdoor micro group or an indoor home group. More than anything else, it all starts with love. Have you ever noticed that 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 are both about how we should use our spiritual gifts? And then right in the middle is chapter 13, all about love. How do we use our spiritual gifts? We use them in love. Our love for one another should motivate our service of one another. Our love for one another should compel us to sacrifice for one another, to go to great effort for one another, to use our gifts to bless one another. And the Trinity defines that love. It's the love within God that should be the love among us. You see, when we use our gifts in service and sacrifice, we are strengthening our bonds of love. When was the last time that you sacrificed something to serve someone? When was the last time you sacrificed something to serve someone? Maybe today God is calling you to practically love someone else with the Father's love for the Son. Fifthly and finally, honour. Honour. Let me tell you what I love most about the Trinity. This is it. In this fellowship of eternal selfless love, every person seems to be outdoing each other in love. Everyone seems to be working for the honour and the glory of another. In John 5, the Father acts so that all people may honour the Son. In Philippians 2, the Son humbles himself to death to the glory of God the Father. And in John 15, the Spirit is that spotlight who says, Don't look at me, look at Jesus. You see, within the Trinity, every person is seeking to honour and glorify the other in love. It's this mind-blowing picture of both a radical God-centeredness and a beautiful other person-centeredness. That within God himself, each person loves the other so deeply that they work for their honour and glory. And God invites us to do the same. To honour every part of our fellowship, every member of our church especially those who feel weaker. I know that some of you in our church family would love to serve more actively. Isn't it easy to look at some of the people that serve up front or in public positions? We look at them and then we feel like our ministry is 
so small and far less significant. Maybe you struggle with physical or mental illness that, that limits your capacity to serve. Maybe past hurt has damaged your confidence and your willingness to invest in deep relationships. Maybe your energy levels are just lower and your relational tank is smaller. So serving others is just physically exhausting. Whatever your reason, some of us might feel like a weaker part of the body. If that's you, I want you to hear what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18. God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. My dear brother or sister, you are exactly where God wants you to be. In verse 22, this is what Paul goes on to say. Those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honourable, we clothe these with greater honour. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Your visibility does not equal your value. Your strength does not equal your significance. You see, you might be less visible, but you are not less valuable. If you feel weak, if you feel less honorable, let me tell you, you are indispensable to this body. God calls us to honor you. And we do. We really, really do. Let's face it, every church has particular gifts that we value more than others. It's not good, but that's just the simple reality of church life. And if I were to take a guess, I think that in our church family, I suspect we disproportionately value an ability to teach the Bible and a capacity to relate well with others. Now, those are both wonderful gifts of God, but they're not the only gifts of God. And they're definitely not superior gifts of God. 90 to 100 people in our church, God has blessed us, each and every one of us, with a whole variety of gifts that might not be as visible, but are just as valuable. And friends, we need to honor those gifts. Maybe you feel like the most you can do is to pray for our church. To financially give to the ministry here at Cross and Crown or even to read the Bible, but with just one other person. That's great. And if that's you, we honour you, and we praise God for you. What difference does the Trinity make to our relationships with one another? What does the Trinity, the triune God, call us to do this very day? Love. Dwell. Unite. Serve and honour. You see, friends, more than any other doctrine in the Scriptures, I have found the Trinity to not just blow my mind and warm my heart. I have found that it moves my hands to action. The Trinity radically reshapes our relationships with one another. It deepens our love for one another. It invites not just you and me, 
but all of us into this fellowship of eternal selfless love, such that the love within God is now the love among us. So let me ask, what will you do this day in light of the Trinity? Will you love one another with the love within God? Will you open your hearts to one another, just as the Father, the Son, and the Spirit dwell with each other? Will you keep our unity fixed and focused on Christ and Christ alone? Will you serve one another to strengthen our bonds of love? And will you honour those in our church who might be less visible, but are not less valuable? My gosh, imagine if we took this to heart. Imagine just what our church might look like. Just imagine. What if the love within God was expressed as the love among us? Let me pray. Loving Father, we praise you for bringing us into your inner life. May we love one another with the love with which you have loved us. For Jesus' sake. Amen.